and that lets you save the look here. True form life. Green look on Welcome to another edition of Exploring Mind and Body. As always, I'm your host, Drew Tadia. All right, thanks so much for being here on this edition of the show. I always appreciate your time to come in and see what we have going on throughout the week. Now, today I couldn't be more excited to bring back Dan Millman for his fourth time with us on air. Super excited about that. As you can tell, I always love having Dan on the show. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. I want to tell you about MAK Mystic Expressions. Now, this is a Himalayan salt company that specializes in pink salt. Now, personally, I feel that we can all make a small change in our lives from moving, transitioning from white refined salt to pink Himalayan salt. Now, if you want to head over to makmystic.com, they have all kinds of products and information to help you better understand what they have what they have to offer. Some of their products include heat bags, heat lamps, salt shakers, salt grinders, salt cutting boards, and more. So again, check out makmystic.com. So as I was saying, I couldn't be more excited to have Dan Millman back on the show. Now, Dan is one of my all-time favorite authors. He wrote one of my favorite books called The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And I'm super excited, as you can tell in my voice, to have Dan back on the show. I think it's kind of fitting, which wasn't planned. This is Dan's fourth time on air with us. And we're going to talk about the four purposes of life. Now, Dan's written 17 different books He's world-renowned, and I'm so grateful that he's giving us some of us some of his time to come on the show. He always offers tons and tons of information, so I know you're going to enjoy this one. Don't go anywhere. We got all that coming up. Uh... This is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Tadia. All right, welcome back to Exploring Mind and Body. We have Dan Millman on today to talk about the four purposes of life. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Dan. Hi, glad to be here with you, Drew. All right, Dan, so you're coming back at us again. I just want to thank you for coming on the show. This is your fourth time, so (laughs) I so much appreciate that. Sure. Now today, this this seems like a different type of book, The Four Purposes of Life. It's it's almost like a handbook. You could carry it around quite easily, and at least for me, I could I, I like to pull it out, and you could I could pick out any kind of topic I want, you know, at that given moment. And I was just wondering where the idea came from, or where the inspiration to write this type of book. That's always a mysterious question to answer. Uh, each book has its own uh, creation story. I've never written a book just to have another book out. Um, in fact, after I wrote my first book, Way of the Peaceful Warrior, I didn't write another book for 10 years. I figured I'd said what I had to say. But then I met new influences, new information came into my life. I was very excited about sharing in my own way. So then I started writing almost a book a year for several decades. I'm, I'm just finishing up my 17th book, depending on how you count. Um, I'm going to be out next year. So the four purposes just found its natural order, even though it was about the, about the 15th book I've written. Um, it really goes very well as a, a beginning introduction to my work along with Way of the Peaceful Warrior because it puts the work that follows in the various books in context. Um, one understands where they fit 
and I didn't even understand it until 25 years after the first book. I, now the pieces of the puzzle are all fitting together. And when I write, it's like, what can I convey that needs to be said, that needs to be heard? You know, André Gide, the French philosopher, once said, everything that needs to be written or said has already been said, but it needs to be said again because no one was really paying attention. <laughs> in other words, um, all I can do in my books, all any teacher can do is to remind people of what they already know at deeper levels, but we tend to forget. Then we remember, then we forget, then we remember. So that's what I do. I offer perspectives, reminders, principles and practices for living a fulfilling everyday life. And do you feel it's kind of your job to share a story or your teachings in a different angle? Yes. Uh, obviously, if I, if I read a book that says it all, I'll say, just everybody read that book. That's much <laughs> easier than writing one of my own. That's the thing. Each of us has our own way of expressing things. My job, as I tell people, my responsibility is not to, to get people to believe what I believe or see things the same way I do. My job is to be clear enough so that someone can agree or disagree based on understanding what I've written rather than on misunderstanding. A writer is not here to be understood. They're here to make it impossible to be misunderstood. So that's the challenge. Clarity above all. And in my stories, I try to entertain and illuminate with some universal um, uh, lessons and experiences like Way of the Peaceful Warrior, The Journeys of Socrates, Sacred Journey, my more novelistic type narratives. Other people like it delivered straight as a nonfiction book. Uh, uh, and, and so I've written a number of books, No Ordinary Moments, The Life You Were Born to Live, The Laws of Spirit, and, and this book, one of my clearest, The Four Purposes of Life, to lay out some uh, ideas that help bring clarity to people's lives, to give them a sense of what they're doing here and what they're here to do. It's about life's bigger picture, but as applied to everyday life. I just wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about Studio Pilates and Red Deer. Now, I had the opportunity to interview Colleen Manning, who is a Pilates instructor and owner of Studio Pilates and Red Deer, and it was an absolute pleasure. Now, Studio Pilates and Red Deer, they specialize in small group classes. What I think is super cool is everyone that signs up gets their own personal, private consultation and to learn how to use the equipment and get to know the area better. Now, Colleen is such a welcoming and pleasant individual to be around. The whole environment that Studio Pilates has to offer is certainly welcoming. No matter if you're a beginner or an advanced, they have something for you. Now, they have a number of different classes from the Piloxing to Booty Bar. They also have men's classes. So they have a number of different options for small class size if that's something you're looking for. Now, if you want more information, head over to studiopilates.ca or they can be reached at 403-341-5911. Okay, so the first topic is learning life's lessons. And one of the questions that kind of jumped out at me was, if, if Earth is school, what courses do we need to pass to graduate? I, I like this. I enjoy this. And I also feel that we, there's so many lessons to learn from life. What ignited this question that you brought out in this book? Well, in all candor, if I opened a book and it's talked about learning life's lessons, I would go, oh, yeah, I know. We're here to learn from our life experience. It sounds pretty mundane. 
uh, not very cosmic, spiritual, or exciting. And yet, the reason it's the first purpose in the book listed is there is so much to it beyond just the idea of learning from life experience. See, if we learn from our life experience, then older people would all be wise masters. And if we look around, that's not necessarily the case. So what happened? Well, sometimes we learn the wrong lessons. Sometimes we don't learn the lessons at all. And most of us have noticed that lessons repeat themselves until we finally learn them. And if we don't learn the easy ones, they tend to get more dramatic. So I propose in that section, in the four purposes of life, Drew, that the earth is a divine or perfect school for souls, let's say, and daily life is our classroom. And in other words, what I'm saying is not that learning is the icing on the cake. It's the cake itself. No one can fail at anything, a relationship, a, a, a job, or anything else if they learn a lesson from it. How do we know if we've learned a lesson? Because our actions change or our perspectives expand. What do you think differentiates a person that can learn or, or does learn from life le life's lessons and those that don't? Well, pain has been defined as the inability to learn. See, I'm saying that no one needs to read my books or attend my seminars or workshops or anyone else's in order to evolve as a human being. Daily life is guaranteed to teach us everything we need to learn in order to evolve. Now, you might say, well, wait a minute, Dan, then why do you write books? Why do you teach seminars? Because a good book, a good seminar, any good reminder can help people learn the lessons of life more gracefully, more easily, um, with a little less pain. And that's why I write. That's why I teach. And that's why I wrote The Four Purposes of Life, to help people learn these lessons that are unfolding every day in daily life, in our relationships. I mean, how many of us have had a relationship challenge and learned some things about ourselves we weren't necessarily too crazy about, but it was a, a humanizing and valuable experience. So in the same way we can learn through our relationships, we can learn through our work, through sports. I even introduced the idea of voluntary adversity in that first section, because most of us can look back on our lives and see moments of physical, emotional, or mental pain but if we look back on those difficulties, we notice that we've gotten a little bit wiser because of that, a little bit stronger. In other words, every adversity has hidden gifts if we just pay attention. And so we don't have to pretend to like a challenge or difficulty when it comes, but we can realize that daily life is a form of spiritual weight training. If you don't lift any weights, you don't get any stronger. And so those perspectives at least help us keep a thread of attention on the bigger picture, that it's really okay. We roll up our sleeves, and just like we've overcome difficulties in the past, we can overcome this next one. So this is all related to the idea of learning life's lessons. And as you pointed out, what courses do we have to pass to graduate? Uh, I actually would like to share a recurring dream I've had over decades, and this is way after graduating from college, and the reason I'm sharing it is because many, many people have had this dream also. And here's the dream. I have a very important test coming up, and maybe a final exam, but I suddenly realize I signed up for the course, but I forgot that I'd signed up. I forgot to go to the classes, and yet I have this big exam. Well, the reason this isn't a significant dream, because this, is, this describes our daily life. We're being tested all the time, but we don't know what courses we signed up for. 
And so in this first section, in the four purposes of life, I describe, I list these 12 courses in the school of life we're all enrolled in. But I'm reminding people so they don't have to have this dream. They don't have to go, what courses did I sign up for? And they start to appreciate these challenges that come up in daily life as part of our coursework. Do you still have this dream? You know, I haven't for some, quite some time, actually. Now, we don't always remember our dreams, but I don't remember having it for quite some time, maybe since I wrote the book. <laughs> you know, I have an odd type of question talking about dreams. We both grew up as athletes, and I have, I have a recurring dream that I get, to, I'm still, you know, I'm not playing anymore, but I get to the field, and it's time to perform. It's time to get in the game, and I haven't played for years, and I don't have the skills I used to, but I still have to get out there. <laughs> That's a version. That's another version of it. Do you think we learn more from, from failure than from success? Yeah, yeah, I think everyone knows that. Um, you know, I, if I could only create a, a school based on kicking back, watching our favorite videos, and eating Hagen Dazs or something, you know, uh, that would be great. But I've found in my own life and the lives of others that I've seen that we tend to learn through adversity. Um, we tend to learn through challenges. That's what develops us. So I, I'd like to say this. Some people have asked me through. I wish life could be easier. Why does it have to be so difficult? And I say, oh, would you like life to be easier? Sure. I can tell you how to do that. I'm going to share that with your listeners right now. How to make life easier. Uh, don't have any significant relationships, no committed relationships. Don't get married. Um, don't take on any responsibilities for life. Don't have children. And, you know, life will be easier. But the question becomes, is that what we're born for, to make life just easy? Or are we here to roll up our sleeves and tackle what comes? So I don't think we're here for easy. I think we're here to learn. Granted, by doing certain things more efficiently and wisely, we can, we can save ourselves unnecessary pain or suffering. We can make things easier. But to me, it's all about, and as an athlete, you know, if you go to the, the workout, the gym or the field and say, let's see, I want to have a really easy day today. You're not going to probably do much, but it's going out there and trying to increase our speed, our strength, our flexibility. That's what, how we grow. And it's a perfect analogy in everyday life. So we don't have to pretend to like difficulties or challenges that come our way, but we can keep that thread of attention. I'm going to become wiser and stronger. I did it before. I can do it now. All right. So I just want to take a moment to tell you about the tire shop here in Olds. Now, to be honest with you, I'm not really a car person. I wouldn't be the first to fix, well, anything. <laughs> so that's why I trust some a company like the Tire Shop. When I bring my car in there, I always know that it's going to get quality service. I really love the customer service. It's, it's bar none. They treat you like family. And this is a family-run business for 40 years. So they're definitely doing something right. And they're not just a tire company, so they do oil, brakes, tune-ups, your battery, wheel alignment. They do all kinds of different things to service your car. And now that winter's on the way, it's definitely a good time to get your car checked out, have someone that you trust and, and believe in, and to support the community as well as a local tire shop. You can reach them at 403-556-7660, or if you want to stop in, they're at 5903 Imperial Way, right behind Napa. <laughs> 
Tell me about self-worth. Well, that's the first of these 12 arenas. By the way, uh, why don't I just list them so at least your listeners can get a full context because I'm about to describe what the entire arena that comprises what we call personal growth or personal development. Many people specialize in one area, relationships or health and fitness, uh, in one arena of, of those categories. But the bigger picture is this. We're here to pass 12 courses in everyday life. The first is to discover our worth. Self-worth is different from self-esteem. Self-esteem is nice if you have it, you know. It's feeling good about yourself, feeling confident. Uh, but some of us, it changes moment to moment. Out on the sports field, we might feel a lot of self-esteem, but in, in, in a, at a party, a social gathering, we might feel the opposite. And for other people, it's vice versa. So self-esteem is nice, but it's more of a shallow surface thing. Whereas self-worth goes very deep into our subconscious mind, it answers a deeper question of how good of a person am I looking back on my whole life? Therefore, how much do I deserve of life's blessings? Because we don't get what we deserve in life. We get what we believe we deserve. And, you know, Ramakrishna, the Indian saint, said, an ocean of abundance and bliss and energy can pour down from the heavens. But if we only hold up a symbol, that's all we're going to get. And many of us get into these various periods where we go into self-sabotage. We get in our own way. Because if things get too good, we start getting uncomfortable. Most of us have some afflictions uh, and limits in that area of self-worth. So the idea of discovering our worth isn't about a technique to feel more worthy, because feelings change all the time, but it's about remembering to open our arms and saying yes to opportunity instead of, oh, no, that's okay. I couldn't accept that. It's too generous. It's starting to open up and realizing our worth, not in a sense of entitlement, but as a human being, our innate worth uh, stumbling toward the light, doing the best we can day to day, um, and starting to become our own best friend. So that is what discovering our worth is involved with. Now, obviously, we don't have time to go into depth in all these areas, but let me just list the others. All these courses in the School of Life, discover your worth, and then we reclaim our will. In other words, turning what we know into what we actually do, one of life's big challenges. The third, and I go into that, the third is energizing our body, fundamental foundation element for all that follows. The fourth is managing our money. We can't ignore that area of life. The fifth is taming our mind. The sixth is trusting our intuition and learning how to do that. Then comes facing our fears. Then comes illuminating our shadow, which is really about self-knowledge. It's about knowing ourselves because if we don't know ourselves, then we make the right decisions for the wrong person, the one we thought we were. Uh, so self-knowledge is a key in all the traditions. The next is embracing our sexuality, which is really about just embracing who we are. Because many of us, whether we know it or not, have various hang-ups, inhibitions, worries in the whole arena of sexuality. And then finally, the last two of these courses we're here to graduate, to study, to master, is awakening our heart. And finally, finding a way to serve our world. And that serving our world is kind of a segue into the second purpose of life, moving from learning life's lessons in these 12 arenas of life to 
finding our career and calling and understanding the difference between the two. But I've been speaking quite a bit rather than doing a monologue, I thought I would follow your lead if you'd like to pipe in. Yeah, I was just, that's great, Dan. I appreciate that. Do you want to go over the next three briefly? And then what I've done is picked out a few questions from each each portion of the four purposes. And then I'd like to ask you to go more in detail of each one of them. True form life. All right. So before we get Dan to go into more detail about each subtopic of his book, just want to take a quick word from some of our longtime sponsors. Now, they've all been here from the beginning. They helped launch the show, and we certainly wouldn't be here without them. So I so much appreciate them being a part of the show. We have Shoppers Drug Mart here in Olds. They're very community-orientated. And again, they've been here since the beginning. We so much appreciate their support, being with us for so long, and continuing to support support us throughout the show. Now, that's again, that's Shoppers Drug Mart here in Olds. We have AG Foods in Didsbury, who are bringing better quality products, not only to the grocery industry, but also to our community as well. So we appreciate their long-term support. And if you are looking for better quality products, maybe even specialty products, whatever it may be, it could be gluten-free or it could be certain ingredients that you're trying to avoid. AG Foods does a great job of bringing these different types of food into their store. So that's going to be AG Foods in Didsbury. We have Health Street here in Olds. They have some of the highest health standards in Canada for their products. They're doing all kinds of different events along with grocery shopping tours. So if you want to check them out at, they're here locally in Olds at Health Street or you can find them at hellstreet.ca if you want to order online. And then we also have GDK Gravel and Sand. Again, they've been with us from the very beginning. They're not just a gravel company. They do peat moss. They do deliveries. So if you want to check them out, if you're in the Mountain View area, check them out at GDK Gravel and Sand. I'm going to welcome Dan back on the show to talk about the rest of the subtopics of the book he's talking about. And then we'll get into more detail. All right. The second purpose in the four purposes of life involves what many people think, well, what am I here to do? They're thinking about what's my career? What kind of job or profession should I pursue? Um, And I, I think the first fundamental idea to understand is the difference between career and calling. And we can go into that um, if you like in more detail, but I wanted people to understand that's the second arena. Um, which is quite important to us because it's really a, how we spend a lot of our time. And then, and that's where self-knowledge is so important. Uh, and the third purpose is the most mysterious one of all and the most controversial. It took a risk for me to even present this material to the public uh, in, a, in, a, in detail in another book called The Life You Were Born to Live. But I summarize it to put it in context in the four purposes of life. It's about finding our life path or our our hidden calling. It's about seeing with much more clarity what it is that drives us, what hurdles we're here to overcome that may be different from someone in our family or someone else we know and other people, Um, what hidden gifts we may have that we haven't fully appreciated. Uh, So that has to do with finding our life path, and there's a rather controversial way to discover that, which is using our date of birth. Uh, And again, we can go into that if you like. Uh, Your listeners may be very curious about that. And the fourth purpose may be the most important of all because it brings all the the first three purposes full circle right back to the ground down here in front of us. The fourth purpose of life is attending 
to our purpose in this arising moment. In other words, what's right in front of us. Because we can always handle the first moment. If life feels too overwhelming, what do I need to do right now? What is my purpose? So those are the four purposes of life. And, you know, reading a menu isn't all that exciting, hearing a list of things, but it gives the context to understand learning life's lessons, finding our career and calling, understanding our, our life path clearly, and finally focusing on our purpose in the present moment, what it means to be mindful and how to do that in everyday life. So those are the four purposes. Now I'm open to any questions you might like to cover. Perfect. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate you going over the four purposes for those of our audience that don't have your book right in front of us. <laughs> sure. So the first one, I'm just going to, some of the ones that jumped out at me, some of the ones that I wanted, I would like your perspective with more detail on, I'll just, I'll just bring those up. So one of them was self-worth. And I'd like to know more, I suppose, more details about what you feel about our own self-worth. Well, I would say because I did differentiate it from self-esteem. Many people say, oh, yeah, I read a book on self-esteem. And, you know, uh, frankly, uh, again, um, it's, I'm not saying it's unimportant, but there are some people with very high self-esteem we call sociopaths. <laughs> they feel really good about themselves. Um, but on the other hand, there are people with lower self-esteem who end up working hard and being quite successful. So again, it's a passing feeling. It's nice to feel good about yourself. Sure. Um, but worth deals with that fundamental question of how deserving of I am. And if we have afflictions in an area, we tend to sabotage ourselves. Um, it's again, not conscious. We don't wake up one morning going, I think I'll sabotage my relationship today. Oh, I did that last week. No, I'll sabotage my money today. So the point is we don't decide to do that, but sometimes we say or do something and we look back and go, what was I thinking? That's an example of self-sabotage. And the more we confront this area of self-worth, the less likely we are to sabotage our own efforts, to understand ourselves with compassion, and to move through life and allow ourselves to benefit from all the other blessings and all the other courses, let's say, in the school of life. One of the other topics that came up here was self-discipline. Now, I took out this quote here that I want to read here briefly. It just says, some of us act without thinking, too many of us think without acting. Now, I really feel that, you know, there's no greater intention than action. So can you tell us how you feel about self-discipline and action? Well, one example is sometimes when I'm speaking with an audience um, at a seminar or workshop, I'll, I'll say, please uh, raise your hand if, um, if you know it's good to do regular moderate exercise almost every day. Every hand goes up. There's so much that we know. We know what's good for us, how to behave, to be kind, and so on, and to exercise regularly, to eat a balanced diet, and so on. Not a perfect diet, but a balanced diet, you know. We, we all know these things. It's not like, oh, I didn't realize that. Who knew? So, but then I ask people, raise your hand if you do regular moderate exercise almost every day. Many hands go up in my audiences, but some hands don't go up. So these people are being very honest. They know it would be good to do, but they have very good reasons why they don't do it. They get up, they got to get the kids ready for school, or they got to go right off to work. It's early morning, then they get home, they're tired, and it just they don't find the time to do it. Um, and so 
in order to turn what they know into what they actually do, I recommend to people to dream big but start small and then connect the dots. Not big resolutions in the area of exercise, for example, going to a gym for an hour and a half a day, doing a yoga class for that long, because these are great resolutions, but often we don't follow through. The key to turning what we know into what we do, to actually showing self-discipline, is to make small gestures, because they add up over time. For example, at my website, PeacefulWarrior.com, I teach, I have an online course with video where I teach the Peaceful Warrior Workout, a workout I have done every day for probably 30 years now. And this workout, the key to the workout is it's designed to be completed in less than four minutes a day. And many people go, oh, come on, Dan, that can't give you your aerobic points. Uh, though, you know, these short intensive bursts of exercise are getting more popular, people are finally coming around after three decades to short intensive exercise. But this workout is not a marine uh, boot camp type exercise because many people wouldn't do it. It's a workout that's flowing movement, deep breathing, intention release that is based on the principle a little of something is better than a lot of nothing. It gets your foot in the door. It starts your day right every day. And it's almost excuse-proof. Who doesn't have three and a half minutes to do some movement and deep breathing and tension release and start your day feeling flexible and alive? So that's one example, a practical example. That's something people can do in the arena of turning what we know into what we actually do. It's a realistic approach. Absolutely. I love that. That mindset, that perspective, that's the way I teach as well. So it's nice to hear you reinforce some of those uh, practices. The next one I want to talk about, I feel like our society is, is run by money. It's run by how much money we're making, how much money we're spending. One of your topics here is money and values. And I enjoyed hearing your, spec, your perspective of you know, what you think of this subject. Well, that would be probably the fourth arena of learning life's lessons, that is managing our money. Um, and I don't want to belabor things people have heard repeated many times, like money is energy, even though it's very true. Money makes you only more of who you already are. If you're greedy, it's going to make you more greedy. If you're fearful, it'll make you more fearful. If you're generous, it'll make you more generous. Uh, it's just an, uh, an energy jump. Um, we all have heard the stories about the people who win the lotteries and they're in debt after five years uh, and they've lost all the money. Again, there's the self-sabotage, the self-worth. Uh, they couldn't uh, maintain that or young stars who sabotage their lives. But rather than digress, this area of money, um, Joe Lewis, the boxer, famous boxer, once said, I don't really like money, but it calms my nerves. And many people have a, a mixed feelings about money, you know, the root of all evil, and, and it's more difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. I mean, that, these are biblical quotes. So, and, and in movies, often the very rich people tend to be the bad guys, and the poor people pulling themselves up and striving, they tend to be the heroes. Um, but it's, money is just a natural form. And we do commerce. Since human beings were interacting with one another, they were trading, bartering, giving their talents and interest for something else they needed. So uh, it's natural to do commerce, to produce an income to support ourselves and our family. Um, money is neutral. It's just a medium of exchange. 
But the key is not focusing on the money. See, working just to get money is like doing sports just to get medals and trophies. At some point, somebody missed the point. But if we work at meaningful work, I believe that as peaceful warriors, we can all make what feels like good money to us while doing meaningful work that feels suitable for us and while serving other people. I believe all three of those things are important for a fulfilling life. And it takes time to find that. It's not perfect work. You know, newsflash, we don't have to love our job. But yes, we have to at least reasonably like it. If we just hate it, we should find something else to do and, and prepare ourselves for whatever we need to do. Uh, and I go into that in depth, of course, in the section on finding our career and calling in terms of also a, a way to time travel in our imagination to make wiser decisions. But this area of money is a loaded area for many people, and at some point, uh, we act actively avoid it because we have mixed feelings about it. And if we just treated it as neutral and focused on providing a valuable service or product, then the money becomes extraneous, uh, and we, we don't mistake our net worth for our self-worth. The next kind of little subtopic here could be my favorite part of the book. I just really enjoyed it for some reason here. And one of the quotes was Lao Tzu said, as soon as you have a thought, laugh at it. <laughs> Can you explain what you meant by this? <laughs> sure. That's in the arena of taming our mind. Um, most people think of meditation when they think of taming the mind. Like meditation is this one-stop shopping. If you meditate, you'll be free from your mind. Most of us are aware that the mind is a subjective inner reality. Um, it, but it is not a reality. It's only an inner reality. In other words, Mark Twain once said, I've had many troubles in my life, most of which never happened. Because most of our troubles happen in our head. Thoughts about the past, regrets, anxieties about the future. But what actually happens in our daily life is relatively simple. One thing unfolds, then another. It's like improvisational acting. We handle what's in front of us. We go through this, we go through that. Sometimes it's pleasant, sometimes less so. But that's called daily life at work and at home. And life goes on. We do it, we grow, and so on. So this idea of um, it's meditation is not about quieting the mind. It's about seeing the mind for what it is. We sit quietly with our eyes closed or half closed, and we start, without distractions, we start to notice all the inner content. We feel this emotion. We see this thought. We have this image arise in our imagination, these to-do things, unfinished business, concerns, worries, fantasies of every kind, all this stuff, and all we're doing is just sitting there. And while we're sitting there, we just watch them, then we go back to our breathing. We turn our attention back to our mantra or whatever we're doing, and we let it go. This is the enlightened disposition. And we gain distance from and even liberation from all those tumultuous comings and goings, the storms of the mind. And it gives you more of a sense of serenity and frees you, your attention for everyday life. Uh, so that, that's really what I would say about, uh, about thoughts. Nothing wrong with thinking it's perfectly natural. Thoughts pop up, they come and go. But when we mistake them for reality, that's when we get in trouble. And along those same lines, here's, you know, from that saying, the nature of your inner world, it says, we see things not as they are, but as we are. I really like that. 
Well, there's a story, a fun story about a fellow was in a psychiatrist's office and the psychiatrist showed him a Rorschach ink blot. Most of us have heard of that, these, these um, ink, random ink blots. And, they, and he asked the man, what do you see? And uh, the man said, well, I think it's, it's a couple uh, making love. And he said, okay. And how about this one? He said, uh, I think that's some animals mating. Uh huh. How about this one? Oh, that's three people uh, kind of having some sexual thing. And finally, the psychiatrist noted, made a note, and he said, "What are you writing down?" And the psychiatrist said, "Well, sir, you seem to have uh, maybe a sexual obsession." And the man said, "I have an obsession." He said, "You're the one showing me all the dirty pictures." <laughs> now that story, I think, is radio safe. It's PG thirteen. <laughs> yeah, okay. The point, the point I'm making is, there was nothing in the pictures. We tend to project uh, into the world what, what is in our own mind. All of us look at the world through a filter of our own associations, beliefs, projections, obsessions. So we don't see the world as it is. We see the world, again, as the quote goes in the book, as we are. So understanding this can help to free us. Another example, a young man comes home from high school. Like all young men, he's hungry. So he grabs some food from the fridge, and then he needs some space out time. So he, he turn, opens his computer and starts watching a movie or something on it, uh, or a video. And his mother comes home afterwards. She's guilty because, she, you know, he's a latchkey kid. She has to work, and she comes home after he gets home. And she's trying to show she's interested. So she says, hey, uh, sweetheart, um, uh, how was your day? You had much homework? And he turns to her and says, Mom, get off my back. I'll get to it. What happened here? This is the source of communication problems. Because all she was trying to do was show she was interested in his life and was curious, you know, if he had homework. But he was feeling guilty because he was watching something when he knew he, he needed to get to his homework. So he was hearing something different from what he, she said. How many times does that happen in relationships? often. So that's a, another practical meaning to this idea that we see the world not as it is, but as we are. Once we can clean those windows of perception, clean them and begin to notice the, the muddy spots on them, then we begin to see life as it is, much more simple, direct, mysterious, rather than all the meanings we project on it. Which is why a writer named Barbara Rasp once said the lesson is simple, the student is complicated. The next purpose here I want to go over here, well, the next one in the book is finding your career and calling. Why do you think this is such an issue, you know, in today's day in life? Why is it so difficult to find what we feel is our career and our calling? Well, here in Brooklyn, where I live now, um, I um, often go up to a cafe in the afternoons and uh, I'll read, uh, sit there, and I, sometimes I talk with people there. I, I see young people there sometimes, and I learn that they are a young guitarist. They love playing the guitar. That's their calling. Uh, or, uh, or they love sports, and that they want to spend a lot of time doing that, running triathlons, whatever. And they don't want to, quote, unquote, sell out. Um, so they know that they have to keep dedicated work all day. But meanwhile, a lot of them are living, uh, you know, maybe in their parents' basement uh, because they don't have a day job. And it can be useful when they understand that when we're told, do what you love and the money will follow, or do what you love and get someone to pay you for it, that's high-minded high advice. 
But that's really about our calling. We may do what we love and the money may not follow because our calling has nothing essential necessarily to do with money. It's what we love doing, which is great. It could be a hobby, it could be a sport, it could be a call to the military or clergy, but it's not fundamentally about money, whereas career is about producing an income. We may like a lot about our job, but if we weren't getting paid anything for it, we'd have to find something else. So it helps for young artists to know that they may need a day job to support themselves to achieve some independence and in their discretionary time to continue to pursue their calling. It's also useful for people who are hard at work making money that sometimes there has been a calling, something they've loved to do in the past they've abandoned that might enrich their life if they take it up again, whether it's playing a musical instrument they don't allow time for anymore. It's, so it's under, that's why it's important to understand the difference of career and calling. Some people, their career and calling is the same. Mine is. Their calling, they, they happen to get lucky enough or successful enough that it becomes a career. They make money at it. Now, people have asked me, how do I know if my career is also a calling? That's easy to answer. Would you keep doing it if you won the lottery? If you would, it's a calling. Along those same lines, we we talked about, you know, I'm just reading through your book. There's a story, Kevin Kohler, the Frisbee story I wanted to ask you about. <laughs> um, you want to share that story about how he went to Russia and doing what he loves? Yeah, and this, again, is a, a true story. It's not one I made up. Um, um, he, I met him at a thing called the Human Unity Conference. Uh, that wasn't his real name. It's not important. But... Um, he was one of those people who just loved to throw Frisbee. That was his calling. Now, most of the time, you don't think you can do much with that, you know, in terms of making a living. You know, it's great to play ultimate Frisbee and so on. But he just loved doing that. One day, his parents said, look, they said, you know, you're 35 years old. Maybe it's time you actually got a job. And he thought about it. You know, maybe it would be time to move out on my own and uh, get my own apartment. So he had an idea. He was in the shower, actually, and he had this idea, and he jumped out, toweled off, and called the Whammo company who made these flying discs, Frisbees. And he said, he finally reached someone in their marketing department and said, here's what I'd like. I'd like you to make me 500 free Frisbees, give them to me, and print on each one in English and in Russian, uh, world peace, the words world peace. Uh, and I am going to become a goodwill ambassador. I'd like you to send me to Russia. This was during the Cold War. This is way back. And he said, I'd like, and I'm going to teach people to throw Frisbees in Red Square in Moscow. And I'll become a goodwill ambassador from America. Frisbee, goodwill ambassador. Well, they thought that was a really cool idea. Wouldn't cost that much. And they said, yes. Then he went to Russia and he was a goodwill ambassador. He, he learned to speak Russian. He ended up leading many tours to Russia, goodwill tours. He uh, married a Russian wife. It changed his whole life, that one idea that happened to click for him. Today, many young people get an idea for a startup, for a new app. Um, you know, so Kevin's story is about if you can't find a job that fits you, make, make one up. <laughs> That's a great story. We have a couple of topics here. We'll just cover briefly before we let you go here, Dan. How does sure. discovering your life's path differentiate from your career or, or even your calling? Oh, yeah. Good question. Uh, that's the third purpose in the four purposes of life. And again, it is the most mysterious and controversial. And before I say anything about it, 
Let me invite your listeners to go to PeacefulWarrior.com, my website. They will see a link on the left that says Life Purpose. If they click on that link, it will take them to a Life Purpose Calculator. You can do that now while we're talking, if you haven't already. Um, and then uh, when they see that calculated, they put in their date of birth, day, month, and year. And what will come up will be a number, which won't mean much, but the number has some letters, some words, some ideas associated with each number. And then we'll see a paragraph, just a taste or a teaser that addresses their life purpose, their life path. And I need to say that how one's date of birth can give valid, reliable, accurate information, instant information about the core issues of your life as an individual, I have no idea. I cannot explain exactly rationally how it works, but after working with it for nearly 30 years and teaching psychotherapists and many others the system and finally writing a big book about it, which I summarize core elements in the four purposes of life, I can only say it's quite accurate and quite useful. Even more important, it's useful. It helps us to have more compassion and understanding for ourselves, not only self-knowledge, but really having compassion. It's great to look up not only your own life path, but that of your parents or your children. It lets you understand them in a way that you might not have before. And if someone wants details about that, they can either get the life you were born to live or the life purpose app. It's available for iPhones, Android phones. Um, and it's at, they can read about it at the, uh, at the life purpose calculator site. So they can get an app with all the information, but that it speaks more articulately about this system than anything I can say, except this. If we look at a tree outside, Chances are not a single tree on the planet is exactly like that tree in the angle of every branch and leaf, for example. Um, so each of us is unique like that tree. But I can say things that are accurate about redwood trees that are different from birches or aspens or oaks. And in that sense, each of us is working a pattern, a frequency, if you will. I call it the life path. And of the of the billions of people on the planet, there are 43 different life paths, which means millions of people are working each of those 43 life paths for anyone born since 1900. Um, so, but they're not, that doesn't mean they're all alike. Each of us has our own unique genetic heritage, life experience, but there are things we can say that apply to each of us that help us to crystallize our life, to understand ourselves better. Uh, I tell you, it made a major impact in my life as I described in the story of how I came across this particular system. And then before we move on here, Dan, I just want to vouch for you real quick. I, I think one of our last interviews, I went on your website and checked out that life calculator, and uh, I was shocked about how accurate it was. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. would uh, definitely highly recommend going and checking that out. So the last topic here we'll cover briefly here is is going to be the final four purposes of life, and that's attending to this arising moment. Can you explain this for us before we let you go, Dan? Sure. As I said, you know, our cosmic purpose, we may not be able to articulate it, but each one of us, even right now, your listeners know their purpose in this moment. Maybe they're driving somewhere, so they have a very clear purpose of paying attention to the road uh, and moving safely through traffic. If they're walking or if they're at home listening to this 
um, this interview is their purpose. Our purpose, yours and mine, is very clear. We're having this conversation. So our purpose is always clear in this moment. And it brings all the other purposes. And when we think about it, learning life's lessons, the 12 courses in the school of life, the school rules, which are cover all in that first section. And then we get into career and calling and self-knowledge and how to make wiser decisions and all the things in that, in that section. Then we get into the mysterious life path and all the guidelines that come with that. Uh, and the universal laws that we're here to follow to help overcome the hurdles on our life path. It's a lot of material in a small book. And as you, have you seen the four purposes of life? It's only about 150 pages. It's a small book, but a lot in it. But all that comes down to earth. All we have to really manage is this present moment. You know, Lao Tzu, when he said that famous quote about the journey of a thousand miles begin with a single step, all we have to ever take is that step that's right in front of us. And all we have to manage in life is not the meeting that's coming up tomorrow that's a big deal of the talk we have to give. All we have to manage is this moment. When the talk comes or that dental appointment or whatever it is we're doing tomorrow, we'll be in that moment. And many of us are so busy living the past or the future that attending to our purpose now makes for a very different life because the quality of our moments becomes the quality of our life. And how can we focus on the present moment as opposed to what happened yesterday or what's going to happen tomorrow? Well, here's the great cosmic irony, Drew. Um, we can't do anything else. In other words, nobody can live in the past or future. All we can live in is this moment. But we have this tendency to find the past and future more attractive. And we spend much of our time thinking about yesterday or what just happened a few minutes ago or what we're about to do in a few minutes, anticipating that instead of being right here. Let me tell you a quick story, a true story, about my granddaughter who's uh, about two and a half years old. And she was fascinated by a, a cat, a, a little cat that was outside her window. She stood up in a chair and was watching it. Her mom told me about this. And uh, after her mom let her watch the cat, she was just staring at it, watching it. And finally, her mom said, okay, we have to do something else now. And she said to her mom, she said, but mom, I'm doing this now. <laughs> that She knew that. That's what she was up to. And if we could just get more into, I'm doing this now, what will come later will come later. It will take care of itself. Make life an improvisation. We don't need, preparing can be good. But we don't have to over-prepare because when the moment comes, it's usually fresh and new. So we can face life more spontaneously and fresh by being in this moment. So it's not a trick. It's just recognizing it's the only moment of reality rather than giving so much weight to what happened before or may happen in the future. Dan, where can we find more information about what you have, your, your products and your courses, what, whatever you have going on coming up here? Sure. Um, PeacefulWarrior.com, my website. Uh, there are a lot of, there's the free life purpose calculator. There are my events. I travel all over and uh, teach all over. If someone wants to get on my Facebook feed, they can do that too. They can find me uh, or Twitter. PWDanM is my Twitter handle. Uh, or maybe P.W. Dan. Anyway, people can find me. Um, but basically the website, uh, there's some online courses. People can really choose what they want to pay. It's a very good uh, model. And um, 
other other features q and a there who is socrates some video material so it's all at peacefulwarrior.com and thank you for asking me absolutely Dan. that's pretty cool that you so it's by donation people they can pay for certain products for whatever they can afford yeah, the, well, products I, I don't sell. I can't speak for that. But the, the online courses, I have three. The Peaceful Warrior Workout, Master the Path of the Peaceful Warrior, which takes people with video and so on and text through all those 12 areas of life. Um, and there's one on writing, a very good writing course my daughter designed with me. We wrote a book called The Creative Compass on the creative process. So all those courses, yeah, people can pretty much have a choice of what they want to pay. Fantastic. Dan, as always, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your time with us. Um, you know, this is our fourth time again. I always appreciate it. So thank you so much. My pleasure, as always, Drew. All right, so that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Exploring Mind and Body. You know, it's kind of a kind of cool story that I don't think I've ever shared with you, with, with my audience, is that one of the one of the times the first time I contacted Dan was after I read The Peaceful Warrior. This is still my all-time favorite book and why I keep asking Dan to come on the show. Now, The Peaceful Warrior kind of touched me in a way that no book had or probably no book has since. So I wrote a letter to Dan and to my surprise, he answered me. You know, I, I couldn't believe that he took the time to write out not only a thank you and response about personal advice. So, and then not too long again after that, I had this show and I was like, well, what are the chances Dan would come on this show and share some of his time and expertise with us? So I just wrote him, I found his email and I said, Dan, it really mean a lot. If you came on the show and he said, here's my publicist email address, have her book me in. So it was kind of a surreal experience. And now as I'm speaking here, this is almost, this is kind of a milestone for me. We've had Dan, he's becoming a regular guest on the show. I hope you enjoy him as much as I do. He's He's been on, this is his fourth time, which is super cool. It's super exciting for me every time I have the chance to have him on. And you know, one of the things is that one, it seems like we always have some type of issue getting a hold of each other or, or getting the interview done. And Dan's always been gracious and he's always been understanding and, you know, grateful for the opportunity to come on the show as well. And I think that, you know, that's not always the case if you get some type of big name or big type time author, whatever it may be. That's not always the case. And I always appreciate what everything, every, my, every experience I have with Dan because it's it's always pleasant. It really is. And I, and I so much appreciate Dan coming on the show and coming on and doing this for us. So I, I highly encourage you to check out Dan's work on his website peacefulwarrior.com and then if you want to check out past shows they're all on exploringmindandbody.com and then of course this one we get into some fantastic content the best content in my personal perspective so you have to catch the rest of that on the website now i want to tell you about our monthly membership program what we do is we put together meal plans that include recipes and grocery shopping lists all these meal plans are easy to prepare and they're also affordable so we design these so anyone can put them together anyone can afford them anyone can make the time to you know spend some extra time in the kitchen and prepare your week in advance so that's the first thing that we do is design weekly meal plans for the month the next thing we do is design fitness programs now the fit we do design an entire week's worth of fitness programs we have a video for every single workout so you know exactly what to do we also have printable pdfs 
that explain how to do this as well. So we have everything workout-wise to teach you how to do all your at-home workouts. There's no equipment required. In about 20, 25 minutes, you get your workout in and done. And then lastly, what we have is put everyone in a private and supportive group. Now, this is probably the best aspect that we have to offer because every time everyone needs accountability sometimes everyone needs motivation we all have questions and this group is going non-stop i mean it's going constantly there's always someone asking a question or putting up something motivational we also have little giveaways and contests to make it a fun little community that we've built so if you want more details that's at trueformlife.com I also want to tell you about our weekly newsletter that I send out every week. It's all my current content, so it has videos, recipes, radio shows, podcasts, everything I put together that week. Put a nice little package and I email it out Monday morning so you don't have to run around looking for it. Now, something exciting that I want to tell you about is we've just launched a new type of program that's absolutely free. What it is, it's a 10-day fitness challenge so what i've done is put 10 videos together 10 workouts 10 printable pdfs and then 10 tips along the way to help you succeed within the 10 days so again at trueformlife.com you'll just find on the main page more details about our 10-day free fitness challenge so check that out if you do get a chance we're on itunes so you if you leave a ratings and review that'd be fantastic but if you have any apple products all you have to do is download the show take it with you so i want to thank you so much for being here thank you for being a part of our true form life community and checking out this show with dan millman that's it that's all i got i'm out of here as always i'm your host drew tadia in health and fitness for a better world thanks for listening you've been listening to exploring mind and body with true form life's drew tadia fitness expert to find out more about the show drew tadia or to listen to past shows visit exploringmindandbody.com